In every generation, there are chosen queers. We alone will stand against the cisheads, the straights, and the forces of darkness. We are the Gayers. Hello, and welcome to We Are the Gayers. Happy Sturgeon Moon, everyone. This is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast recorded in order of how much we like the seasons, starting with season four. And today we are discussing Buffy season four, episode seven, The Initiative. This episode originally aired on our Patreon in March of 2021. If you are enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to leave us five stars and some kind words on Apple Podcasts. Reviews are super helpful for helping other folks decide to listen to us. And for new podcasts, getting a bunch of reviews is like critical to the world knowing about us and we would really appreciate it. If you want more of Hashtag Ruthless, more of me and Jesse, please check out our three other podcasts. Um, You can find out all about us on our website, which is hashtag ruthless.com. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr at hashtag ruthless pods and on Patreon where you can binge three years worth of We Are the Gayers uh, at patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless. Finally, uh, thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon or subscribes to our sticker club or both. Uh, You're the folks that make it possible for us to exist and your support pays our bills and we're so grateful. Thank you. I think that's everything. We will be back on August 30th for the blue moon. And uh, now let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to We Are the Gayers, a podcast where a couple of sorcerers talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about episode seven in season four, The Initiative, in which Riley, Buffy's TA, and his buds discuss Buffy about eight different times this episode because Riley has a huge crush on her. Spike we haven't seen in a few episodes, wakes up trapped in some kind of white tiled lab looking mysterious room like the sexiest of jungle cats. Um, (laughs) The last vampire from Sunday's crew, remember her? Episode one, the freshman, is also trapped in the same complex and gives us some useful exposition about them doing mysterious experiments here and also giving out drugged blood. Spike escapes the initiative and returns to his lair and Harmony, who is mostly happy to see him. <laughs> Riley visits Willow to ask Buffy out, which is pretty cute, and Willow helps him because she's a good friend. Xander finds Harmony in the woods uh, later that night because she's torching some of Spike's stuff, leading to the season's best fight scene, which is a slap fight between Harmony and Xander. But learn that Spike is back in town. Uh, Xander runs over to the Lowell house party where Buffy is at um, to grab her because they have to deal with Spike. And then poor Riley has to deal with his buds teasing about him and Buffy as they go down to the secret government lab beneath their frat house because surprise, they're not only friends, they are also secret government commando buds. Same ones we've seen skulking around since episode four. Also, double surprise, head bitch in charge Maggie Walsh is also the head secret government scientist. Who would have who would have thunk? <laughs> Gasp. Gasp. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Buffy, since she's learned about Spike being back in town, is sitting on campus waiting for him to show up. And 
Riley and his uh, commando buds are also looking for Spike, a.k.a. Hostile 17. This leads to a hilarious little back and forth meet cute as they're both wearing their mild-mannered alter egos and they're trying very poorly not to give the game away. <laughs> we cut back to Willow, who is wallowing in her own sadness and listening to sad music. We've all been there. That's all right. Uh, but she inadvertently invites Spike into her dorm room. The ensuing rape-esque scene morphs into kind of hilarious moment with Willow comforting Spike as he can't bite her without extreme pain. Dun dun dun. The commandos, meanwhile, have tracked Spike to the dorms and go to grab him just as Willow comes to her senses and runs out of the room right into Riley. The commandos try to grab both Spike and Willow, but Buffy shows up to kick everyone's ass. Spike escapes, the commandos retreat, and Walsh is pissed about losing Spike, though excited that her brain-altering technology is working. We end with Riley having an actual conversation with Buffy, which is very cute. Yep. Nailed it. This episode is all over the place, like, narratively. It's great, but I'm just like, oh my god, having to summarize (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you did a great job. There is a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. Whew, okay. So, just before we get into it, a couple things. If you, listener, are the kind of person who skips the outro of things... You will sometimes miss important information, and this time it's important enough that I'm going to tell you that there's really important information in the outro about the next episode. You have homework, and I think (laughs) you'll find that like Professor Walsh, if you don't do your homework, you'll end up calling me the evil bitch monster of death. So you want to make sure that you pay attention at the end to get your assignment so that you'll be prepared for the next episode. So, listeners, come with me now. As we enter the bronze, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, We start this episode with Buffy just like so klutzy. We've never seen Buffy be such a klutz before ever. I'm like, what is happening? Why? It, it 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 is very weird. I don't know. Maybe she's just distracted. But yeah, it does seem weird. I mean, my theory is that she's like one day away from starting her period. I feel like clumsiness is like a really good, oh no, I'm about to start my period indicator. But I don't think that's the in-world explanation. (laughs) Yeah, it only serves the purpose of like this conversation with Riley being like, she's kind of weird, but I'm into it, you know? Yeah. It does make me kind of wish that they actually did just show randomly like Buffy just breaking stuff because she's so strong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, that would be really funny. I don't know why that just that thought of it just made me laugh, but I'm like, actually, yeah, she should be breaking more random stuff. Yeah, just like all the time, like picking up a glass and it just shatters. <laughs> she forgot how much pressure to put onto it. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It seems like it'd be hard to have super strength like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try to open a jar and it just explodes everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So actually, my first thing is also in this first, the cold opening of this episode which is Forrest automatically assuming that when Riley called her Buffy that was not her real name mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't sound like a name in his defense <laughs> it does it does not and I don't know I feel like it happens very rarely in the show but like Buffy is kind of a weird name 
and you're kind of like Joyce I don't understand what you re- I mean obviously like the whole part <laughs> is that like it fits into her like you know cute ditzy blonde is really this super powered vampire slayer vibe yeah um let's see so Riley's hair is pretty good through like most of the episode but in the first scene that we see him in his hair is extra 90s dreamboat <laughs> falling in his eyes it gets more gelled and crusty as we move through even though it's in the same shape but in this first one it looks very soft and it's just very natural and you're just like oh look at you you're just really rocking this late 90s i guess are we in 2000 yet i'm not sure but anyway his hair is just looking very cute and i appreciate it yeah it is very prime like 90s teen drama i almost said cw but cw wasn't a thing until like the 2000s the late 2000s but it's very much like dawson's creek ish yeah uh, i don't know if you noticed so graham riley's friend who only has like three lines this episode <laughs> who is essentially like a slab of drywall that talks <laughs> yeah i feel i feel like when when you look at graham and then when you watch him in this episode and he only has like three lines you're I feel like the word that immediately comes to mind is like meathead. Not like in a mean kind of way, but like you're reading an Archie comic and there's a kind of the like himbo jock and you're like, that's a, that's a trope. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what brought also brought meathead to mind is that he has three cartons of milk on his lunch tray. And I'm just like, <laughs> in like only, only a dude who is like, I really got to think about maintaining my slab of muscles body is like, I'm going to drink fucking three cartons of milk at lunch. And I'm like, Oh my God. I can't (laughs) believe I didn't notice that. (laughs) Oh, Graham. I know. He is the most, the most side character, side character. I feel like they were like, we don't even need to cast someone who can act. It's fine. You don't have a purpose here aside from being a third to maybe distract people from the sexual tension between Forrest and Riley. (laughs) So whatever you'll do. You look like an army guy. You know, I think if I feel like he maybe wouldn't be such a sidekick sidekick if the actor who plays Forrest wasn't so good. Yeah. Like, he plays an asshole so well, but he's also just so magnetic and just so attractive that you're just kind of like... I I was about to say, the face helps. Like, he could do (laughs) anything and you would still be like, I think I kind of like that guy because he's just beautiful. Oh, yeah. I have have quite a few... I have a few things about that. uh, Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about (laughs) Forrest. (laughs) I have a lot of feelings about Forrest. (laughs) (sighs) yeah um okay so i just think that spike's options of who could have these vampires in cages or whatever are it's excellent the government nazis or a major cosmetics company (laughs) it's so i mean for any of our younger listeners this was a real thing in the late 90s where people were sort of just maybe realizing that cosmetics companies were experimenting on animals there was a tiny tunes episode about it really that seared itself into my developing mind (laughs) it was a really big 
thing in this era. And so the idea that a cosmetics company would be like, well, we can't experiment on animals anymore, so we will kidnap vampires to test our cosmetics on, checks out. And I think that Spike really has a point here. That's an actual option, I think, of who could be doing this. I just kind of love the idea about what if this whole season was about not the government, but like the government in conjunction with like a giant, huge corporation to like capture demons and test cosmetics on them. (laughs) Cause it's like, it's just, it, it's so funny to think about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's great. And considering how the the whole Adam plot goes, like maybe might've been a better direction (laughs) to go (laughs) We just could have had James Marsters and so much makeup, which how do they not know that's what we want? I know. The big bad of season four is L'Oreal Paris. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Great. It's your turn. I just want to talk about Giles, a man of many talents, which includes drawing really well, uh-huh. which makes the whole thing, his hush artwork, even more funny somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you did, did you do this you did this intentionally <laughs> and i know that like you know a dry erase marker obviously not the the most detailed tool you would use to like draw a picture but it's like yeah that his um beautiful pencil illustration of this army dude is so funny to me because he just did that because he's bored and has nothing else to do yeah he draws it and is immediately like, yeah, Xander, this is a person we don't have anything to do. But he just spent probably three hours drawing this so that he felt useful <laughs> so that Buffy could be like, yeah, that is a picture of a dude in night vision goggles, well-rendered <laughs> child. <laughs> oh, I mean, I love it, really. <laughs> I love it, too. I really do. Um, Riley in the elevator... The when he's like, I'm not talking about girls, I'm talking about one girl. And then again into the <laughs> voice recognition thing is like one girl. I it's <laughs> so good. It's so good. I want there to be more sneaky references to the one girl in all the world, she alone will, just scattered throughout the episodes where You'd have to be paying attention to catch it. But when you do catch it, it makes you really happy. Maybe they are. Maybe I just haven't watched closely enough. Because I think this was the first time I've caught that that was funny. I guess I guess we'll find out. We will. I just want to say, despite my now very old hat discussion about how much I dislike Xander, the Xander-Giles like buddy time is brings me nothing but joy. I know, it's really sweet. Giles <laughs> just wants to hang out and eat Doritos and drink fruit punch in Xander's face. <laughs> I have a question for you about that. If Buffy hadn't walked in when she did, would Giles have consented to summon a demon with Xander so that they would have something to do? <laughs> He would think about it. He would probably tell Xander what they could summon and then he wouldn't do it. In a, in a like, here are some demons <clears throat> that can be summoned on a Ouija board. Anyway, I gotta go. 
my Ouija boards on the shelf kind of way. Like <laughs> Willow pulling that book out for Dawn to resurrect her mom in season five. I feel like it's actually a little bit kind of too bad that I feel like at this point, Giles is still like he's hanging out with Xander, but I think it's still kind of the like, we're friends, but also I feel vaguely responsible for you. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if not, they just would have gotten really stoned. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you said in, in your um, description that this scene between Spike and Willow is sort of complicated uh, in terms of interpretation. It is it is weird because it is it is both funny and sort of the equating biting with sex thing makes it weirdly rapey. Which mm-hmm. I think it doesn't have to be because I Spike wasn't going to do anything but bite Willow. Yeah. So I I feel of at least two minds about it. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think I find it of two minds too, because like those I don't know, twenty seconds where it's like they're like struggling and like Willow is like trying to fight off Spike, but he has her underneath him and is like trying to subdue her are, I find deeply uncomfortable Mm -hmm. Uh, as someone who like really just is 110% over any kind of rape or sexual assault scenes in my, in media in general anyway. Totally. Same. So like that is deeply uncomfortable. So it feels weird for me to be like, but the ensuing part still makes me laugh a lot. Right. But I guess maybe I'm still, I still, I guess I don't know if the like emotional whiplash of it, I don't know, works, I suppose, just because it's like, it is pretty funny. And then I'm like, also not quite sure how I like feel about the whole thing, insinuating it in a, as like kind of a like sex double entendre. And I'm kind of like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but what I, think that I would like right now is to be like, cool, we stated all of our discomforts and now can we just talk about the funny part and then move on? Is that okay? I feel okay about that. Okay. Because it, I mean, it honestly is really funny. It's a very funny, I guess, parody or something of a, you know, scene that I think is in a lot of media maybe i mean it feels very recognizable yeah and it's silly too and i really like it when the show is silly when there are things that aren't part of the plot and i think there's a difference between when the show is funny and when the show is silly yeah and this moment is just very it doesn't have to be here and it just exists solely to make people laugh yeah and i like that yeah and it's it's also just it's so funny because like willow just being so nice and you're like why (laughs) why are you being like i know you're a good person you don't have to be this nice to spike and then he's like really nice back to her when he's like oh yeah you and your fuzzy sweater last last season and i'm just like what is happening (laughs) like you know They're just, like, both comforting each other over these things. And it's, like, kind of nice. And just also just, like, literally. It's just, like, it's it's so silly. It is so silly. Yeah. I mean, I think think that they have sort of an established relationship. And I think that 
really all of the Scoobies at this point, but maybe Willow especially, have seen through Spike's armor and, you know, have witnessed him having all of this vulnerability and also a sort of undeniably good side, right? Yeah. He helped them defeat Angel at the end of season two. And, you know, when he kidnapped Willow last time, he was this, you know, sobbing, drunken mess, just bearing his soul to her. And so I can, I think I can see where she's coming from, even though obviously he did just try to kill her. Yeah. I think he also very genuinely offered to turn her, which is in terms of, you know, vampires, I think is the most kind thing that you can do where it's like I'm willing to think about you existing in this world forever and that doesn't turn my stomach so I guess I I get where she would feel inspired to be like it's okay like I think your pain is legitimate I can tell that you're embarrassed yeah (laughs) we can wait half an hour and try again (laughs) 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 which is that my and then my favorite part was she's immediately like wait hold on a second what am i doing and then bitches mm-hmm. him in the head with the lamp <laughs> yep uh it's just it's just it's just very willow it's just it's like i don't know it's it's so good <laughs> it is really good yeah yeah cool that was my last thing here so all right i have a couple more things the slap fight between harmony and xander is it's so good on so many levels <laughs> because it's kind of like harmony has forgotten that she is a like superpowered vampire and could break xander into multiple pieces and is just like kicking him in the shins and stuff like as if they were fighting in the hallway of of like their high school <laughs> i know i mean we've seen like xander stake some vampires like he probably could have staked harmony but it's just like they're just it's like not even a real fight no <laughs> they're just like bruising each other for no yeah reason. it's amazing and just, and the, and the fact that a bit where it's in slow motion know, it's, so good. <laughs> it's like just a truly joyous moment And then they just have a truce at the end where they're like, okay, we're done. (laughs) We're just gonna forget this ever happened. Yeah. They get each other in a hair-pulling headlock and it's like, well, clearly this is a draw. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) (sighs) All right. uh, my My last thing is just I love Willow's line when she's talking to Raleigh at the party and she's like, you heard Buffy, I'll attack you with a shovel because a vague disclaimer is no one's friend. <laughs> just such like, a good line. Such a good line. <laughs> it's really great. Yep. <laughs> this is a really good episode. I know. It really is. Welcome to the cemetery, where we talk about character development. 
I have Spike first. Does that work for you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Spike is so great. We start this episode, our first interaction with Spike is that the monologue that we saw him get tased in the middle of in the last episode, he wait he wakes up from his tasered unconsciousness, finishing the monologue. He is committed to this monologue. And I just love it so much. I'm like, this is this is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, I just I just have that like he's still dreaming about Buffy, like a totally normal thing to do with your mortal enemy. <laughs> it's like whatever, bruh. Okay. He was in the middle of something, Jesse. <laughs> he has to finish. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, then we get probably the best line of the whole episode. I always worried, wondered what would happen when that bitch got some fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's finally moved from a grassroots organization to the big leagues. <laughs> got some foundation funding here. <sighs> and now it's just all demons in cages. Yep. <laughs> um, can we also talk about Spike's computer skills with a Z? yes it's incredible he is very self-satisfied and the fact that like i mean giles is kind of a luddite but even giles is like i don't fucking know how to use this computer well you can deal with this shit and spike who says this up with like he's 120 years old (laughs) is like i'm gonna do this i've seen hackers i'm about to break into the Megastar's office to find where the fuck buffy lives i know i honestly in this situation, Spike is essentially an old man, and he's decided to keep up with the times and learn how to use a computer. Do you think if you sat Angel down in front of a computer, he would Hell figure no. out how to look up where Buffy lives? How no. the fuck no. Right. He'd be like, where's the phone book? I'm an <laughs> old-fashioned vamp. But Spike has, Spike has decided to keep up with technology, and I fucking love it. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good skill to have to kind of uh, keep up with the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike is now at two girlfriends who have left him about his obsession over Buffy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Might be a sign. Might, might be a sign. And actually, so hilariously, I was like looking stuff up about this episode and I was like, who wrote this episode? The episode is so ridiculous. It is the same guy who wrote the best episode of season five, AKA Fool for Love, where we find out mm. about Spike's backstory and just how much he's loved Buffy. So I'm like, I see you, dude. I see how much of a fucking <laughs> shipper you are. And I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, totally. Anyway. Yeah, my last note about Spike is just that he he's just so smart. He's so fucking brilliant his escape is honestly it's brilliant and he's such a fucking drama queen like he does this brilliant (laughs) escape but he still can't leave without doing a one-liner like (laughs) he has has to do this before he can actually go and i'm just like you're great you're fucking great spike you know i respect that commitment to the drama you know yep you always gotta have a one-liner i appreciate that it's probably part of what he likes about Buffy is that she's got all these, you know, zingy one-liners for when she's out patrolling and stuff. 
Yeah. Which she is also very good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Riley. All right. Let's talk about Riley. As of this episode, I like him. He's so cute in this episode. Even He's as someone so who cute. doesn't like Riley. I'm like, this is actually like really cute. His fucking, his fucking face. His whole face when he says, well, I guess I like her. You're just like... I just want to, like, grab his cheeks. Like, fucking Riley, why are you so cute right now? <laughs> he he uses the word courting to describe what he wants to do with Buffy to Willow. And I'm like... I know. I wrote, Willow says, why should I trust you? But come on, dude. He just said courting. <laughs> like, what do you mean, why should you trust him? He's He's really bringing out the, like, best of what... If you're into, like corn-fed midwest boys he's really bringing out all the reasons to date a corn-fed midwest boy which is like he's really kind and like polite you know it's a little bit like what 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 year are you from because the midwest (laughs) is perpetually 10 to 15 years behind any behind the rest of the country um and just like i don't know it's just like you know he's cute and old-fashioned but still has like enough emotional intelligence to be like oh fuck this song is really making willow sad someone fucking changed the cassette tape because lol the 90s someone has to manually (laughs) change the music (laughs) so yeah yeah he's just really sweet he he really takes care of willow at the party like you said he that fucking moment in the room where willow for some reason is like i gotta move these weapons really obviously and riley is so caught up in just talking to her about buffy that he just leans down and puts them away from her i know, <laughs> You're just I know. Like, so sweet fuck i know and then also i just love that he is as good at small talk as i am so <laughs> how about that that reading <laughs> a <laughs> it's it is very it is very cute it is very cute um and also i'm so glad that he punched parker in the face if anyone deserved it it was that dude totally yeah we'll have to get into his intentions later but i am very glad that he punched parker in the face yeah i mean i don't necessarily condone like i'm gonna say people doing shit like that but i'm also kind of like people like parker should be punched in the face yeah, totally. You, like you're asking for it when you talk about human beings like toilet seats someone should punch you in the face and if you're saying these things someone hasn't because you're still talking out loud as if no one's gonna punch you in the face about it <laughs> totally anyway yeah willow i kind of love sad nihilist willow this episode <laughs> And, like, even her being sad Nihilus Willow, she's, like, being such a good friend. You know, she's, he's talking to Riley to, like, help him get with Buffy, even though she's, like, gone through this terrible breakup. She's, like, nice to Spike, even though, like, a year ago he tried to shove a broken bottle into her face. And it's also kind of, like, kind of see why an episode and a half from now she's, like, fed up with everyone not being as nice to her as she is to them and, like, curses everyone. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> She's great. Willow, I just, I think that we start seeing from really early on, I think, when evil Willow gets transported into this dimension, vampire Willow, rather, that our Willow could really do with 
she she could use some some balance i think she needs to embrace sort of the darker quote-unquote darker parts of herself the part of her that is sort of sardonic and will Mm. say things like i'll beat you to death with a shovel if you hurt my friend because i think that 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 is like a a part of her all the time and i think that a lot of things that happen later in the series could probably be avoided if she didn't try so hard to be good and happy and whatever all the time and i guess i'm assuming sort of push down that piece of her the rest of the time yeah, she has a hard time uh, embracing her shadow self until she really embraces her shadow self. Exactly. Uh. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, any any to any uh, witches and sorcerers out there, you you really got to embrace the shadow self and not just the Glenda the good witch part of yourself. Totally. <laughs> that has been a magical PSA from just Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, now I'm just imagining if Spike had turned Willow and gotten, like, Vampire Willow and been like, what the actual fuck happened? Yes, but, God, they would have been great together. Oh my god, I would have, I would have watched that. She's got a little Drusilla in her, Vampire Willow. She's, you know, a little, um, little twisted. Mm -hmm. Little, little extra beyond just normal vampire evil. Yeah. You know, she likes to do things like call Angel a puppy and throw lit matches on him for fun. So Which, I think that I mean, Spike yeah. would really get into that. Yeah, Spike would really get into that. I feel like probably actual, if Willow turned vampire season four, would probably also still want to throw lit matches at, at Angel. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Welcome to April Fool, where we talk about fashion. I would like to talk about the fact that no one in this episode, and often in general, but especially in this episode, no one is dressed for the same weather. No, not at all. What's happening? I don't understand. And it's especially weird because it's like, I know that you guys are still shooting in California. So it's not like you're in Toronto and it's like you know, 55 degrees and you're trying to pretend that you're in California. Right. You're in a sound lot in California. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Two thirds of the people in this episode are dressed for it being sweater weather. And then Buffy and half the people at this party are dressed like it's 85 degrees out. (laughs) It's just... Which I guess makes sense. I mean, I'm assuming like, right, November in Southern California is probably still maybe not warranting the amount of sweaters we see in this episode but it make it would make sense to me that buffy and a bunch of girls at these parties aren't wearing layers because they want to look cute at the party yeah but buffy's wearing a tank top in class she's wearing a tank top through the whole the whole episode except in the evening when she's wearing a coat to fight spike she's trying to look cute uh, all day <laughs> i mean Yes, and I don't know, she wears a lot of fucking sweaters. So I'm like, okay, if Buffy's in a tank top, it's got to be warm. But then like everyone else is in a flannel and Giles is in a goddamn turtleneck. I'm like, what is happening? I mean, thank God he's in that turtleneck because whoo boy. But yeah, <laughs> I know. every Everyone's in a sweater. Yeah, I don't understand it either. Cool. So. <laughs> okay, what do you have first? I just want to say that like Harmony's goth look that she's rocking with the like mesh shirt over the tank top and then her leather jacket she has on later when she's Mm -hmm. having her slap fight with xander looks incredible 
she looks incredible in it. It is a great outfit. I also love all of their all of her like '90s wardrobe that like she has spread out in the background of the of, of the lair. Where I'm like, yep, I see that uh, plaid vest outfit you got hanging up <laughs> back there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she looks she looks hot as hell, and her and Spike match. Did you catch that? I did catch that. It's really cute. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really cute. I don't know if it was intentional. I assume it must have been at least partly intentional. I think so. Yeah, it it was very cute. And like, I don't know, for the record, I feel like black and red is usually a pretty good combination. Mm-hmm. It works. And of course, like, whatever the actress's name, Mercedes McNabb, is fucking gorgeous. So like, of course she looks good as hell. Yes. Yeah, black and red looks good together, unlike orange and red, which is what Willow is wearing through the entire episode in two different ensembles. She sure is. It's awful. <sighs> Everything that Willow wears is so terrible. I know. I feel like I feel bad because it isn't until later that she actually gets outfits that you, that don't make you want to cringe. Right. What she wears to the party is one of her super extra cringy outfits i think the shirt on its own i guess is whatever in a late 90s kind of way peasant tops were very in i don't like it that it's the exact same shade as her hair it just oh yeah i'm like it looks like you're just disappearing inside of this like one encompassing orange color (laughs) that just wraps all the way around you yeah yeah i don't i don't i like do not know what whatever wardrobe was thinking about any outfit that they gave Alyssa Hannigan ever. Yeah, the red bell bottoms are the thing that make that outfit just truly horrible <laughs> though. <sighs> wow. Alright, my last thing here is that I think we can all agree that Buffy has completely failed to find something slutty to wear. It's just backless. I she's she's done a way better job in previous episodes. <laughs> The 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 90s, it was a, a more modest time. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like every dress that Buffy wears in season one, you can see her underwear. So I was sort of like, Buffy, get out one of your 10th grade dresses. It's a much more party ready look than <laughs> what you're wearing right now, which is just like a, a tank top and some pants. Yeah. I think it's obvious that I'm not saying that in a bad way. I was pro Buffy finding something slutty to wear. Yeah, it could have been more slutty. Yeah. For sure. It was just like average. Yeah. It's just, it's just swoopy back tank top. Anyway. Yeah. It, it, would, it would be scandalous in the Midwest. It's not scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> like in Sunnydale, California. No, no. Welcome to the Hellmouth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. Starting with the fact that Forrest uses the word mattressable. <laughs> just, just so many of the just sexist things that come out of Forrest's mouth is just like, could you be slightly less gross? And as we'll talk about shortly in Spike's Crips, Forrest is doing a lot of work to demonstrate how straight he is. 
So I know why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's still revolting. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty upsetting to have to listen to. <laughs> yep. Um so then, you know, from Forrest to Parker. Ugh. Parker, I honestly I think that he's worse in this episode than he has been. Has been even previously. He says that Buffy is whiny and clingy. He brags about fucking her and then talks like about the actual experience and then is like says his fucking line, you know the difference between a freshman girl and a toilet seat. A toilet seat doesn't follow you around after you use it. Holy god. That is I mean, it's uh something that should get you punched in the face is what it is. It is it is it is, it is just it's like it feels like one of the most disgusting things you could say about a person on network television where you're not using like swear words where you're like you're literally the worst and this is an episode where we get a lot as we just discussed gross things from Forrest in his attempt to seem a hundred percent heterosexual which is a lie yes and yeah it's just uh, Parker I just want no one to ever fuck you ever again because you're literal garbage yeah I um really hate it. I really hate him. I really hate the fact that either this is a thing that that people have said or that this is something that someone came up with to write into this episode. Just the fact that like that line exists in the world really just bums me out. <laughs> I feel like I've heard equally terrible things regarding freshman girls in college, which as I want to remind people, is 18 and 19-year-old girls, many of which who are leaving home for the first time. Yep. Uh, Another thing about that that really bums me out is where we learn that Riley did not punch Parker because Parker was being a disgusting misogynist. He punched Parker because he didn't like to hear him talk that way about Buffy. And I hate that. Yeah, that's not that's not the rationale. If you're gonna punch someone in the face for saying something like that, it should be wow, that is the most disgusting misogynistic thing I've heard in a really long time. And clearly you shouldn't say those things. <laughs> and let me tell you that by applying my knuckles into your mouth. Yeah. I mean Forrest says you've heard me say way worse things than that. And it's like, oh, okay, so Riley's best friend is as awful as Parker on a regular basis and part and Riley does nothing to interrupt that we don't see him do anything about the things that are gross that he says in this episode i know but that's unacceptable (laughs) yeah it really isn't i know i feel like maybe at the time it'd be like oh look how like nice and polite riley is he's not saying those gross things about women and it's like okay but you're still complicit when your friends are saying these gross things which is still bad Mm-hmm. possibly worse actually right so you, you you don't get any gold stars for that one my friend you don't nope nope not even a little bit <sighs> all right two more things okay riley's her teacher yeah the ethics of that is real is real questionable yep it's that's a no it's <laughs> just a, a no for me like he's our ta and like let's say probably like a, at least a graduate student i mean 
I guess maybe not. This, I'm sorry. This, that's not the part that is upsetting. The a part that is upsetting is that he is, he's a TA and he's like in a position of, like he's grading her papers. He's grading her papers. That's not the thing that you do when you are in a position of power over people like that. And like in in no way in this episode in this season is is that ever brought up as to be a bad thing, you know. I know, yeah, it's fucked up. Welcome to the Magic Box, where we rant about stuff. So I know this is the first episode where we have Spike with his chip, thus allowing him to become a series regular. From now until the very end of season seven. Mm-hmm. But Spike hit like, hits like eight people in the course of this episode and does it and his chip never fires. And then every subsequent episode after this, even if he like, you know, shoves someone intentionally, it triggers. So mm-hmm. I just don't like that. Uh, They should have either picked one or the other. All right. I think that it's because it's new. It seems like it gets worse sort of as the episode goes on because he takes out all those people at the initiative without it seemingly firing once. And then with Willow, it fires when he tries to bite her, but not when he's punching people. And then in the hallway, it fires when he hits someone, I think. So I think that the whatever magical sci-fi whatever in his brain is sort of acclimating or getting wired in or yeah or something yeah i mean the science of this whole thing is of this chip is oh so dodgy (laughs) yeah i get mad about it it's just like okay all right okay so this is this is 2000 and what we know is that the initiative knows nothing about magic they're shocked by that they don't know shit about the slayer so we're assuming that that the chip in Spike's brain is all science. They're just like, you know what? We have the fucking best neuroscientists and we figured out how to hook up a chip into whatever part of your brain the impulse to like directly try to harm someone goes through, which I'm sure is a lot. Brains are very complex, not. It goes through a lot of different parts of your brain to do a thing. To specifically be like, all right, well, when you... I try to hurt someone, it's going to send some kind of nerve pain to stop you. And I mean, a time frame of like, I mean, Spike's been gone for a couple of episodes. So assume they, I mean, we can assume that like they shoved it right into his brain as soon as they got him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, vampire healing, whatever, but just like the complexity of that technology out of whatever the fuck, I mean, I don't know. It just, okay. I, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to suspend my disbelief about the science of this. So I actually think I actually think that what you're saying makes it make more sense that his chip gets more sensitive as time goes on and that he can hit demons and can later hit Buffy because I really think it is his brain like his conceptualization of whether or not he's causing harm that decides whether or not the chip is going to trigger because brains are complicated so if the first thing that if the thing that it sort of initially is there to inhibit is him biting someone and it's so then it's going to trigger when he tries to bite someone but then if spike conceptualizes hitting someone as being similar to him that follows a similar thing to biting then he will 
like his neural pathways, right? He's like, okay, biting causes this to happen. Then hitting will cause this to happen. Then pointing a gun at someone will cause this to happen. And it's just, he basically, he is the one who is determining when the chip is going to trigger in the same way as like, I don't know, like I get migraines and like a really good way to guarantee that I'm going to get a migraine is worrying that I'm going to get a migraine. And that doesn't mean that the migraine isn't real. It just means that whatever path triggers that to happen gets activated by thinking about it. So I think if Spike doesn't think the cause hitting a demon is, is a harmful act, then it wouldn't trigger when he hits a demon. Interesting. And if he thinks that something is fucked up about Buffy when she comes back from the dead and he knows that he can hit demons, then he would be able to hit Buffy. Hmm. You know what also supports this is bringing it back to Fool for Love. There's a bit where he's like punching out at Buffy, but his intention isn't to hurt her because he knows that she's going to dodge it. So he can still sort of grapple with her in one of those scenes in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, I just fucking, with my whole heart, love this exchange between Professor Walsh and Buffy. <laughs> it's so good. It's amazing. I feel like every time it happens, I have to yell, ooh, bird at the television. <laughs> totally. Because <laughs> it's such a it's incredible and it really makes you understand like why Buffy is the kind of friend that you would say threaten to beat someone to death with a shovel for yeah it's like god damn to your teacher the evil bitch monster of death like yeah fucking get it Buffy yeah it's it's such a good exchange and you're just like yeah and then Walsh being like I like her (laughs) (laughs) I like someone who doesn't cower before me which is totally 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 a thing with her character you're just like yep i figured you would yeah totally i have one more thing which is xandra gives buffy a flare gun which she Mm -hmm. takes and then there's there's literally no situation that buffy would be in where a flare gun would actually be efficient for the idea of like you know xander and giles officially being able to run up and like help like there's no situation the only reason to have this flare gun is for what happened in this episode where Buffy blinds all the dudes wearing (laughs) night vision goggles. Yeah. Right. So she's like all flare and I was like, okay Xander, are you and Giles just gonna go, what, drink tea in his courtyard until you hear that Buffy is safe just watching the skies? (laughs) Yeah, like how how many miles can you see a flare from? Because like we're assuming that she's at least a few miles away. Like, she's several miles away from her house. She's definitely several miles away from Giles. I, don't, I guess I don't know how far, how many miles away you can see a flare. But, it, it, yeah, unless they're, like, outside of his courtyard and close enough to campus to see Buffy's flare, it's kind of like, this. it serves no purpose. Yeah, it doesn't. And it's just very glaringly obvious <laughs> that it does yeah. not going to serve any purpose. <laughs> I don't know if your word choice was intentional, but it was funny. Oh, it was not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yep. So Willow wears shoes in bed twice. Just keeping on noting when that happens. Once the second time, she's wearing red shoes with her red pants and her orange shirt. And you're like Willow, why? <laughs> 
Yeah, nothing about the color coordination of Willow's outfits just ever make any sense. No. And then, see, I should have taken a screenshot. Willow has this haunted dog. This stuffed dog that has red demon eyes next to her bed. And I was just like, what is that? It's so upsetting looking. And now I'm like, I need... It's not like you are going to remember what the fucking stuffed dog looks like. Like, this is the first time I ever noticed it. So I should have taken a screenshot, but I didn't. It's upsetting, and I'll put a picture in the show notes. That's what that is. It's just a terrible dog. Um, Harmony, yes? Harmony, yes. <laughs> yeah, you start. And uh, Welcome to the uh, Harmony Love Fest part of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, just, Harmony puts up a fucking beautiful 90s unicorn poster in the like underground lair that she is slash was sharing with spike <laughs> and it's it just makes me so happy it's, it's so like, beautiful and it's like there's like a rainbow and like a waterfall or like a beautiful field i don't know it's it's some shit that i mean i would buy now but definitely would have brought as a teenager or would have wanted to buy as a teenager yeah <laughs> just like I just, I don't know. It just makes me laugh. And it I think it makes sense also why Spike keeps returning to Harmony. I mean, besides the sort of obvious, like, small teenage blonde vibe he has going for the rest of the season in his interests. But, like, yeah. Harmony is basically unchanged from her human, alive personality. Yeah. Like, she's still the same person, <laughs> you know? And she still has, like basically her entire personality is still there i mean she's gonna make fun of him for lying to himself about trying to kill buffy but she's not gonna be like you're not a proper vampire enough yeah she's so great i know her rant alexander tries to leave after their fight and she's like no i actually really need someone to talk to about how mad i am (laughs) at spike which is just great on its own that she's like literally anyone (laughs) yeah xander stop there i need to talk to you but then she's like like i would listen to the sex pistols ew (laughs) 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 i know yeah that whole scene is basically harmony really trying to have her waiting to exhale moment which okay so like waiting to exhale is this movie from the 90s and there's this bit where Angela Bassett has found like her longtime boyfriend or husband cheating. So she dumps all of his stuff into his new car and then sits the whole thing on fire. <laughs> and oh, then like shit. is walking away and she like flicks the match like over <laughs> you know, over her shoulder. <laughs> it's such a like excellent scene. And I'm like, oh Harmony, you're you're trying to have this. <laughs> but there's like right there's like yes. two pairs of pants and a like handful of cds on the ground <laughs> just like what are you doing uh she's being her authentic wonderful self is what she's doing yeah i love it also she's speaking truth about how spike's not gonna kill buffy she just he's just gonna beat him beat him up and yeah, it's just totally. gonna be like the same thing over again <laughs> and she offers to slap him around. I know. Harmony's being a very good girlfriend and Spike is not being a very good boyfriend. No, he sure isn't. He doesn't deserve her. No. 
part where he calls her his petite creme brulee. She's like, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a moment where Spike is like, do I even say something? And he's like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm just going to keep, keep trying to find an ax to kill Buffy. with." Uh (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love the whole part where he's sort of fumbling to come up with um, sort of harmony worthy, nicknames to give he's like okay you call me blondie bear let me try to match this for you and he's like my foam latte (laughs) okay so my last rant is actually kind of serious i don't know so as we know joss whedon professional asshole really really incessantly angry that everyone likes spike right really Mm -hmm. hates it we're not supposed to like him he's bad guy and and then we get i mean he didn't write the episode but he watches the episodes presumably right so he's like seen this episode and is like and i don't understand why people won't stop liking spike but like in this episode not only is he funny and clever and like hot he Mm -hmm. Also, he goes to kill Willow, and then she's like, oh, it's me. And he's like, hell no. I would bite you in a second. I remember an outfit that you wore a year ago, and I thought you looked great, and it made me want to bite you. And I'm like, oh, what a terrible person he is. What a bad guy in here making Willow feel better in a way that zero of her friends have since her fucking breakup. Mm -hmm. Gesticulating angry yes yeah yeah and i think also part of it i think besides being a fan favorite i feel like spike also is probably a writer's favorite because as as i mentioned earlier like the guy who wrote this episode wrote a few more episodes in the course of the show that have some really notable spike scenes so he also wrote checkpoint in season five where the watchers come and we get that Mm. chef's kiss scene with whatever the one lady watcher is about how she wrote her thesis on Spike, which if that isn't the most fangirl thing that, you know, I've ever heard. It's, it's amazing. It, it is truly incredible. Um, and he wrote a couple episodes in like season seven about poor, poor tortured Spike. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I think we could say that this, that this writer, you know, this person is pretty fond of Spike. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a ton of other episodes where you're like, all right, well, clearly whatever Josh Whedon felt about Spike versus whatever everyone else in the writer's room was like, okay, but have you seen James Marsters and how you could <laughs> you could literally draw two eyes and a, like, you know, circle on a paper bag and he would have chemistry with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we have just how charismatic the actor is and how drop-dead gorgeous he is, you know, in the course of this show. On top of... You know, him, like, his character does so much for the show because he just, Spike just has such nuanced relationships with everyone, with all of the characters, that is just kind of, like, endlessly interesting. Mm-hmm. And right, and so it's, like, really exciting. They're like, well, we're keeping, we're keeping him around, so we gotta figure, <laughs> figure out something to do with Spike. Yeah. I just, I just feel like they... I agree with you. I don't think anyone aside from Joss Whedon was trying anymore to make Spike be a bad guy. 
and he just isn't like he just i i don't know this last time this last watch through that evan and i did it was basically like every episode with spike in it there would be a point where one of us turned to the other and is like what a terrible person because he's just (laughs) being so wonderful and so i feel like every time we get one of those i'm gonna be like okay here we are again with spike just being precious and great and it's not like he's great all the time i'm not saying that he's not perfect he does a lot of terrible things he's also just not evil (laughs) it's he has a tender poet soul everyone it's just i don't know how you don't and i mean obviously we get that like a whole basically year from now where we where we get his very hilarious backstory right (laughs) but you're just like but even then you're just kind of like spike you are literally not like any of the vampires on this show including the three and a half seasons of like the show trying to be like hey you know about uh buffy and angel (laughs) and it's like are you sure about that because i don't not buying it i'm sorry Welcome to Spike's Crypt, where we talk about sexy stuff. This is the episode, everyone, that is the reason this podcast exists. When I did my (laughs) most recent watch through, I got to this episode and Forrest, being Forrest, and I was like, this is the gayest thing. Like, I've always, I think it's impossible to not read Forrest as being massively in love with Riley, but like watching it this time i was like i just want to talk to jesse about this like that's what i want more than anything else in the world is to talk to jesse about this and then i texted you and was like can we do this podcast so that i can talk to you about how in love forrest is with riley he's like he's like a like a big over enthusiastic great dane like humping riley's leg just like riley riley do you want to talk about sex with me, Riley? Can we talk about sex? You want to like look at hot people together, Riley? You want to tell me about your your like sexual thoughts and fantasies, Riley? Can we just what what do you what do you think about that when you want to look at people together, Riley? And it's just like, oh my god, you're so transparent and it's so sweet. I know. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, he's trying real hard to be to come off as heterosexual, and it's really. Not. And it's especially interesting because we get basically all the scenes with Riley and all the dialogue is sort of about his Riley's infatuation with Buffy Mm -hmm. until they're like, wait, you guys knew that? And it's like, yeah, you were being real obvious. When Forrest is doing the exact same thing to Riley the entire episode in all of Mm -hmm. these scenes. And it's like, oh, no, of course not. No homo. But it's like, uh, no, yes, homo. (laughs) So homo. This is is like full fat homo. This is like (laughs) from the cow homo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially he's all like, yeah, let's let's talk about how hot that girl is together. And then the second Buffy leaves with Xander, he's like, well, I guess that didn't work out. You want me to, like, I don't know, comfort you or something? She's she's fucking some other dude. Are you thinking about it? Because you could think about it. We could think about it together. Or I don't know. There, There's the, the scene where they're talking about it, where they're going into the, like, secret mirror elevator of the initiative. 
Forrest like sweeps his finger over his eyebrows to be like checking them out. And I'm like, who are you doing this for? You're about to get in this elevator with your friends to go down into your secret laboratory bunker. Who 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 needs to who needs to examine your beautiful eyebrows? This just reflect on that forest a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the elevator, he says, I think my favorite thing that he says in this whole episode, where he says, straight tip, I know about girls. And I'm like, that is the <laughs> most performative heterosexuality thing that anyone has ever said in the whole world. <laughs> 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 I will say though, I am. He is definitely trying too hard. He could be bi. Is all I'm saying. I mean, he's definitely totally in love with with Riley. And I mean, I'm, and I feel like there's. I think he's probably exaggerating about the amount of ladies that he's hooked up with. A hundred and ten. I think it's he's zero. <laughs> I don't think that Forrest is. I don't think that Forrest is bisexual because I think that his performance of heterosexuality is too much for him to be by mm. i mean maybe he's like slept with people because he feels like he has to maybe but yeah yeah maybe you're right maybe he has slept with women because he felt like he's have to but maybe he's like not into it because he probably does it to be able to go back to his like male friends to talk about it with them right yeah i just feel like I just feel like the the amount that he feels like he has to prove that he's straight feels like too much for him to be bi, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. It is like constantly. And it's funny because I, I feel like considering that like Graham doesn't really say much and Riley is a tender, doofy Midwest boy. Like if he toned it down, they, they'd be like, all right, cool. Let's talk about sports or guns or i don't know video games i don't know so it's just yeah. like it's just funny that he's trying so hard when it's like his friends wouldn't be like you haven't talked about a, a lady derogatively in the past 15 minutes that must mean you're gay <laughs> you know they're, they're not those kind of friends so you're like forrest no. what are you doing <laughs> i think at least half of it though is just that he wants to get riley thinking about sex while they're together because i i don't think it's just I don't think it's just that. I think part of it, at least, is that he wants to do some sort of bonding around the idea of Riley being sexually aroused in his presence. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Forrest would definitely be the kind of type to be like, we could just watch this poor movie together. You know, no homo. It's fine. That's what totally. that's what guys do together. Hey. I know. They're so ridiculous. I know. <laughs> That's my whole. That's my whole thing here. Do you have you have uh, Giles's turtleneck? I believe. Yeah, actually, I also just want to talk about Forrest in that white sweater. Oh because yeah. Because I just want to like smear him on like a cracker and consume him because he looks so good in that sweater. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, why is anyone wearing a sweater? Who knows? But he looks damn good. In that he does. He looks great. It is a crime that we never get to see Forrest with his shirt off. I think he's wearing a tank top when they're doing the debriefing after, but that's it. We only see him in a tank top. I think so. Yeah. Even once he's, is he wearing a shirt after he's turned into a demon? I think he's wearing a tank top. I think so too. Even if he was half weird yellow demon, I still would have taken it. I mean, yeah, same. Uh, Yeah. I also just want to talk about Giles and his combination black leather jacket, gray sweater. 
is just like, yes, please come find me in a dark cemetery. It sounds great. <laughs> Welcome to the library where we talk about magic and science and magical science. The initiative. We meet the initiative. We meet we meet the initiative. They have a large underground bunker of some kind. Um mm-hmm. conveniently hooked up to an existing frat house or on campus house. Uh which I feel like raises for me a lot of questions. Like was this one of the mayor's dirty deals with the mm. government? Which seems like it'd be counterintuitive if you're going to turn into a giant demon. It does. But, because like, I don't know, that must have taken forever to build secretly. But on the other hand, we do know how weirdly large the sewers are and how many weird underground caves there appear to be. So who knows? Maybe it was always there. Uh, Apparently they filmed a lot of the scenes in an old like stealth missile factory of some kind or holding place, which uh, for folks not in the U.S., there are a ton of like old missile silos and old Cold War remnants where Americans are just keeping bombs because... Like you do. Yeah, you know, the whole like Cold War dick measuring thing. So we got we had to have a, a ton of bombs everywhere. <laughs> uh, so like, I don't know, maybe it was already there and the government just moved in. Who knows? Yeah, it's all very mysterious. Uh, also, the opening shot where they have a bunch of like demons in a like tinfoil lined room uh, makes no sense. The pit. The pit. If it was supposed to be a clean room, like what they build computer chips in, it would have to be enclosed, and everyone would be in like a hazmat suit. It's not that. It's open, and there's just p- demons and I, you know, and just regular chairs and on stretchers, and it's just like, what is the point? It's their surgery room, but like that material looks very hard to clean up. There's not a drain. It's like soft. It's yeah. what my imperfect food box, like the cold stuff, comes in that specific <laughs> silver shiny bubble wrap. It sure does. <laughs> yeah, and it's also if you were doing a like trying to be a sterile surgery room again, it's just open. Like there's nothing, nothing sterile looking it just looks sci-fi essentially because it's so shiny yeah Yeah. but like you need a fucking drain in the floor man in a surgery room that's important i think yeah i mean what it looks like is when queer people have like space parties and you cover their walls with like tinfoil to make it shiny yeah i mean it does look it does look very sci-fi i'll give them that yeah so shiny it's just a little bit confusing, especially when you watch them walk around and you can see like the material sort of indent under the yeah. weight of the people. Yeah, it'd be a great place for a rave, but not a great place for doing intense experimental medical science work. It's also like some of the people in there are wearing those little like paper booties over their shoes and like some of them aren't. And like <laughs> just some of them are wearing, you know, surgery gowns yeah. and some people are just chilling. And you're like, what is happening in there? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't not make any logistical sense what is happening there. Um, what do you think? The ver- there's a bunch of um white balloons just about. They're like this big. What is that? Like two feet in diameter balloons. What are they for? What do they do? 
Uh, okay, so I would have to potentially Google it, but if I had to guess, that sounds maybe about maybe the size of what a weather balloon would be. That does look like a weather balloon, totally. Which they might be using to, like, track demons of some kind. I mean... You think they're just ready to go? Just I think so. Take it up in the elevator? I mean, they're they're basically like the drones of the 90s. It's like, put in a weather balloon, like... The whoever monitors the, I'm said the airwaves, that's the FCC. No, whoever monitors the sky, you know, weather balloons, you'd be like, oh, it's a weather balloon. It's tracking the weather, however it does that. But instead it's okay. tracking like whatever they're tracking in Sunnydale. Okay, sure. Sounds good. Yeah. What else? We get the exact temperature of vampires in this episode, which is 62 degrees. Uh, so their <laughs> room temperature, 62 degrees is an incredibly rude temperature to keep a dorm at. Actually, do you want, I actually, I, my note is that like 62 degrees is like broke people room temperature. Right. Like that's what I used to keep my heat at when I was, could not afford to, to keep my heat up. It's like 62, put on a sweater and some socks, call it good. <laughs> yep. Same. <sighs> It's so right for this door to be at 62 degrees. And I mean, they're in fucking Southern California. So I'm like, that's air conditioning. And so what? that's just like running overtime all the time. Like 62. Why the hell is going on here? And and for our uh, not American listeners, that is uh, 16.6 degrees Celsius. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> I, lo- I looked it up if I was going to talk about it because I was kind of like, what is that? feel like i'm like it sounds like if you've like pulled chicken out of the fridge and it's been sitting for like an hour and you like touch it i feel like that's probably what 62 degrees yeah i was gonna say so vampires are like snakes right so like they're the temperature of like their ambient surroundings so okay hold on so if spike left the initiative and went straight to willow's room which he apparently didn't because he escaped in the middle of the afternoon and who knows where he hid until nightfall but if he had and the initiative is cold because they're doing weird experiments in there it would take him he's got thermal mass so it would actually take him quite a while to come up to the ambient temperature of outside or willow's dorm room yeah so he could be colder and we do know where he went he's in the lair with harmony who knows how far underground oh right so and that's already an ambient temperature of, I don't know. I feel like it's always the same temperature in caves, but I don't remember if it's the same temperature in all caves. I can't be in the same in all caves. That doesn't make sense. That but does not make any sense. Caves are, yeah, caves are chilly. Like, isn't Mammoth Cave like 50 something all the time? Like 58? Yeah. Okay. So maybe Spike is still the temperature of the cave and he just yeah. hasn't come up to dorm temperature yet. Yeah. And I guess if a lot of other vampires just spend a lot of time like, underground or in caves or i mean i guess you're like still at night you know maybe you're still gonna be i mean obviously less warm than like a person whose heart is beating yeah i didn't get the impression that they were like that's the temperature of a vampire so much as they were like there's a humanoid shape and it's not warm i don't think they were like all vampires are 62.3 degrees yeah good talk (laughs) um great you want to talk about teutonic i do even though I did not look that up, so I don't know what it is. 
So I looked it up. It was actually like shockingly hard to figure out what the fuck this conversation was about. Because I like all my initial research, I was like, this can't be what Xander meant. But I think it is. Teutonic apparently just means like Northern European. He's basically like Riley is. Looks like he could be from Finland, which is not an insult. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I don't get that. <laughs> um, but that's where the Teutons were, like Northern, Northern Europe. They like moved south and then ran into the Romans and then it got really bad. I, I, I learned some stuff. Do you want to hear about what happened to the I do. tragic Teutons? Yeah. So they were moving south i think peacefully but they ran into the roman army while the romans were like conquering all of all of europe um and were defeated their king was taken in irons and under the conditions of surrender 300 married women were to be handed over to the victorious romans as concubines and slaves when the matrons of the Teutons heard of this stipulation, they begged the consul that they might instead be allowed to minister in the temples of Ceres and Venus. Their request was denied, so the Teuton- Teutonic women slew their own children, and the next morning all of the women were found dead in each other's arms, having strangled each other during the night. Holy shit. Right? Wow, that's like super metal of them. I Right? Strangled each other. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, so not only is it, like, not an insult, but also, like, apparently the Teutons were, like, kind of, kind of badass. I don't know why Xander knows that word. I think it's clear that Buffy doesn't. She's just using it because she heard it earlier. Yeah, I appreciate that research. I'm just like, oh, that didn't even occur to me to be like, what is even, what are they even saying? There is a a Teutonic, uh, like, order, like a knight knighthood crusades whatever that's now like a chivalrous however all that shit works but it doesn't seem to be like related in a meaningful way so yep xander's dig was to call riley blonde that's what the that's what the whole thing was yeah i know weird yeah nothing none of the shit about the teutonic order would does not seem like it'd be a thing that Xander would know culturally. No. Anyway, all right. I'm <laughs> I'm glad I learned something today. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of We Are the Gayers. As I said at the beginning of the episode, you have a little bit of recommended homework before you listen to our next episode, which will be about pangs. If you could take the time sometime between now and the next full moon to listen to episode one of the podcast Métis in Space, that's M-E-T-I-S, which is a podcast by two indigenous people talking about sci-fi media in which they discuss pangs. And then also to listen to episode 46 of the podcast Slayer Fest 98, where they interview the writer of the episode, Jane Espenson, about that episode. If you listen to both of those, you will come into our discussion better prepared because we will be referencing both of those podcast episodes pretty heavily in our discussion. And um, you'll just have like a more well-rounded experience. Obviously, it's your choice, but we do highly recommend it. 
Yeah, I think I think that's it. You know, check the show notes for links to those as well as links to all of the things, including our screenshot roundup of everything we talked about in this episode, including Willow's haunted dog. And we will see you for the blue moon on August 30th. Until then. It's the hell mouth, bitch. Like what? <laughs>